we're back. Hello. Welcome back to the Beggar's Cup podcast, your favorite podcast where two dudes talk about fantasy, science fiction, sometimes pop culture, whatever. Um, this is episode six, and we're talking about druids today. It's funny, she doesn't look druish. Uh, that was terrible. Um, we're going to, uh, well, first, we got to announce our sponsor. Uh, another sponsored episode by Plus 5 Charisma Clothing. It's Plus 5, plus spelled out, P-L-U-S, Plus 5 Charisma Designs on Etsy to get your Dungeons and & Dragons and nerdy-inspired t-shirts and hoodies. Uh, it's a company that makes a quality product. Yeah. It's run by kind of a schmuck. But uh, he sponsored the episode, so uh, we'll give him a shout-out anyway. Uh, head on over there. Uh, you own one, right? Yeah, I do. So uh, it's, it's nice and comfortable. I like wearing it on D&D nights. It's, a, it's the rogue shirt, and uh, yeah, I enjoy it. So episode sponsored once again by Plus 5 Charisma. Um, the owner of Plus 5 Charisma, if you're listening, we're still waiting for that first check to clear so <laughs> get on top of that <laughs> um yeah i feel like i gotta get myself uh, like a fighter hoodie or something uh maybe a barge <laughs> anyway um we're gonna uh, yeah so uh, similar to the ranger episode a couple episodes ago we talked about the ranger in fiction oh that, yeah thank you pulled that You're out welcome um we're gonna help you we're going to talk about druids, and um, I have some interesting thoughts on this, and I think you will too. So, uh, starting off with fiction, but, you know, gives a bleed over into role-playing games. What makes a druid? You know, it's it's somebody who's, like, completely in tune with nature. Um, in episode three... We talked about the ranger and how, you know, they have their wilderness survival skills. They're kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Um, the druid is uh, just completely devoted to being one with nature, being one with animals. Um, a lot of green magic, if you're, you know, following the uh, Magic the Gathering mm. mana cards. Um <clears throat> And uh, if I had to think of a druid character in popular culture, it would probably be Radagast the Brown from The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Tolkien's world, there's only a handful of wizards, and so he's... Five? Six? Maybe? Seven? Well, okay. Five? Nine? Twenty? I don't know. Yeah. There's only... There's a limited amount. Uh, magic is not something that, like... Not that kind of mad, but... So Radagast is described as a wizard, but he's definitely a druid. Um, he hangs out in the woods. He all of his magic is sort of nature based. He talks to animals. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the interesting thing about the druid, compared to your other sort of archetypes in fiction slash classes in role playing games, is that the druid was very specifically an actual. Um, for lack of a better term, like sort of religious order, right? And history. You know, you, your fighter kind of is a generic thing that covers professional warriors, but there can be a, there's a wide range in that. We talked about the ranger. That could be a, a military scout, a woodsman, like that kind of is a wide degree. Your rogue, obviously, is, is very broad. Even cleric 
the initial cleric is based on the sort of warrior priest. Very a lot of room historically for interpretation, but there were actually druids. Uh, and not a ton is known about them because uh, they were big into sort of the oral tradition and passing things down that way. So I don't know how much... I'm sure that scholars and stuff have documented a lot more of this stuff than we know. But, People who are smarter than I. Um, that's something that's interesting to me. But then there was that, you know, transposing that into the role-playing games and fiction as a sort of... Um, I always look at them as like, yeah, Radagast is a good example because I always look at the Druid as sort of a cross between a wizard and a priest, but then with most of their magic and powers focused on getting from <laughs> and utilizing nature. Um, I think the argument can be made, if we're keeping with Lord of the Rings, that Treebeard is also, in the books especially, could be considered kind of a Druid. Yeah, I mean, he... Uh... He certainly wasn't a magic wielder. Um, well, it's not like shooting vines at sure. people and stuff like that. But um, <coughs> sure. <coughs> I just think of, you know, this. he's got the, I forget what it's called, but the water that Merry and Pippin drink at one point that like feeds the ants that's magical yeah. and stuff. And um, he tries to be very neutral. That's kind of a hallmark in a lot of especially early interpretations. That the druid is not really concerned with like law and order or righteousness in that way. Uh, they tend to just be sort of we got to stay out of this in the in the perceived way that nature is neutral. Sometimes nature destroys things and it's not evil. Sometimes nature gives life and it's not necessarily good. It's just that's what nature does. I um, Merlin. Merlin. In some adaptations of the Arthurian legend, I think you could consider him a druid. We have this image from certain movies like Excalibur and other things that he's like a more traditional wizard or um, sword the Sword in the Stone. But I actually... Uh, did you see The King Arthur with um, Kira Knightley? I did not. Okay. That tries to... That's, it's okay. Like, it's fun. It's it's not anything, like, great or anything. But uh, Clive Owen, I think, is King Arthur. And uh, Mads Mikkelsen is in there as a... All right. As one of the knights. Um, and Kira Knightley plays basically Guinevere. But they try to take it back to the sort of Roman roots of the Arthurian legend. And so they're all... They're knights, but they're, they're knights of Rome. And okay. So in that Merlin is is basically a druid. You know he's he's with the the Celts and uh, more of a sort of like nature man shaman type than your sort of pointy hat wearing wizard. Sure. Um, and I know they're not the only ones to do that because the Arthurian legend does come from sort of Roman time. So other people have done that sort of interpretation, but. Um, but this is a big one. I'm excited to talk about this. Though I've mentioned it a bunch of times now. People might be getting tired of it, but we're going to keep doing it. I wrote a fantasy novel. All right. Tell me about it. What's it called? <laughs> it's called Blighted Sky. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. And Can't it, wait for it to come out. It hasn't been published yet. I'm trying to decide what to do with it. Um, All right. There's pros and cons of self-publishing and traditional publishing. And, uh, and it's kind of a weird novel because... <clears throat> I'm not going to claim that I'm the first person to do any of this stuff because I'm not. But it's not as popular, and and 
I tell it from first person perspective and I jump around who's telling the story. It's a big story, but it's shorter than a lot of fantasy novels, uh, deliberately written to sort of appeal to readers who might be interested in that kind of medieval fantasy but aren't going to pick up a 200,000 word book, like my wife. And one of the other things I did that was, again, I don't know that I'm the first, but is that the bad guy is a druid. Interesting. And I think that it was, I wanted, and I actually write chapters from the bad guy's perspective as well. Um, but I really liked the idea of somebody that was so obsessed with nature and balance, kind of a Thanos vibe. Yeah, that I was going to mention that. <clears throat> he's like, you know what? We just got to restore the natural order and, uh, you know, humanoid civilization is not good. And so I'm going to use my powers and my magic to uh, do everything I can to wipe it out. And I thought that was, uh, again, it's not like, there are no original <clears throat> ideas, but sure. I like that idea. And I think that you can get away with that, with the druid, but it's interesting. Um, Would you consider Aquaman a druid? <sighs> yeah, I think so. Would you consider him a good superhero? Um... Aquaman gets a lot of flack. It depends who's writing him. There was a... I remember this, and I can't remember who the writer and the art team was. Growing up, there was a... It was when they first gave him, like, the beard and the longer hair. Sure. And he lost his hand at one point. He had, like, a harpoon for a hand. And those Aquaman comic books were awesome. Uh, generally, no. I don't... I don't really... I'm not an Aquaman fan. I thought the movie with Jason Momoa was a lot of fun, but kind of empty. Definitely a visual spectacle. Some really cool things in there. And uh, Jason Momoa seems like a really charismatic dude, but... Um, but yeah, I think Aquaman would be considered a druid if we had to put a superhero into a, a archetype or a class. Um, I was just going to say, like, there's sort of a view that nature is good. And so, like, even though the druid's neutral, like, I think generally in, in fiction it's viewed as, as positive. And this is meant as no disrespect to anybody that's a currently practicing druid, but I don't know that nature is actually good <clears throat> all the time. Like sometimes horrible things happen. So that was kind of the inspiration for for Trenoth. Is his name is uh, he's an elf that's lived for sort of thousands of years, and he's just gotten tired of everyone, as he sees it, doing wrong. And this is your baddie in the book. Yeah, personally doing wrong personally to him, but also. Um, doing wrong, sort of, that this is not natural, right? Uh, and one of the themes of that book and then the series that I've outlined is that as he betrays his own morals, things get worse. <laughs> Which is something that sometimes people need to hear, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so what, what do you think? I mean, so you're going you're gonna to talk a lot, I think, in this because I like to talk about some of your favorite books and stuff. Uh, yeah. we, we touched on this in the Ranger <clears throat> one, but um, in fiction, what do you think the appeal of a, a druid-esque character is? Um, you know, the wilderness, the forest, <laughs> the birds, the trees, the sun in the, in the sky, you know, they all have that sense of appeal. You know, it's uh, people who like to read those things, you know, tend to find 
um, tend to find themselves like in the settings, in the character themselves, you know, because they they can relate to all that. It's it's something um, actually in in all literature really. Um, <clears throat> And, uh, yeah, in, in fiction, um, you know, you can make it whatever you want it to be. So, uh, a druid can really kind of do whatever they want. Um, yeah, going back to Radagast the Brown, you know, he, he secluded himself away from humanity. Um, he only really cared for, uh, animals and the forest um and that was a really a really good um really good example for for fiction um i would say that a lot of the non-fiction or, or even just outside of fantasy um a lot of the characters that are involved in uh outdoorsy wilderness kind of books they they have that longing for nature mm. um so in that aspect you know they're druid like um <clears throat> like uh, jack london's call the wild yeah you know the the main character is you know longing for something more and he goes on this huge adventure and um it's one of my favorite books growing up as a kid i i this is probably one of the books that i read through the quickest mm. um have you read Call of the Wild? Uh, Jack yeah. London? Yes, not in a long time. I did watch the, the movie with the kids, which I know is nothing like the book in a lot of ways, but I did think the movie did a good job of, of capturing that spirit. Um, and it is a difference, I think. We, we touched on this with the ranger. I think, the, I think of the ranger as somebody that can survive in the wilderness. The druid is somebody that kind of harnesses the wilderness, whether it's through magic. Uh, but I think that's the big difference between them. The ranger is somebody that, like, yeah, he'll get by, he'll get through, he knows the tricks. But I still think of the ranger as a more like it's a it's a it's a knowledge set to to kind of ride it out. But the druid tends to be somebody uh, in these things that we're talking about who actually can use nature and and fantasy that's often expressed with them having magic that that uses you know nature um but i agree with the stuff that you're talking about when you've got a character in maybe other fiction but that's not magical that um but it's that character archetype that not just oh they can get by but um this person is truly uh able to use nature um you ever played a druid in, in Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I've multi-classed as a druid. Mm. Um, <clears throat> in the last organized campaign we did with some of our friends, uh, set in Icewind Dale, um, I originally was a uh, Goliath uh, ranger, and as I as we progress in the story and. As I thought about his back, you know, backstory, um, you know, it made sense to me to make him a ranger to start out with because you know the the harsh weather and conditions of Icewind Dale. Um, it you know he was supposed to be more of a survivalist, 
However, as the game went on, um, and I really started to define uh, my character, I thought, well, you know, I think what drives him is not a survivalist mindset anymore, but more of just an attunement to nature. Mm. Um, so when we uh, finally killed that hag against somebody's will, <laughs> um, and we leveled up, I was like, you know what, I'm going to multi-class, I'm going to take some levels in Druid, and uh, that will really kind of shape my character the way I want it to go. Unfortunately for that is I could no longer wear any of the armor I had because <laughs> yes, it was all chainmail. Yeah, some of the D&D restrictions are kind of silly. but Yeah, and druids can only wear wood and, and natural elements. Um, so I had this dragon skin pelt that, or a wormling, I believe, that uh, that I had acquired and I was going to get it turned into uh, scale mail. Mm. Um, and we had agreed, you know, that would fulfill the the druid requirement um but other than that i've never played just straight on druid um yeah what about you have you made a druid character um so we talked about in episode two when we kind of talked about the overview of Dungeons and dragons and our first experiences getting into role-playing games and stuff and um that the first game that i ever played in even though I had no idea what I was doing, was as a kid in 3.5 in Boy Scout camp. And that character I made as a druid because I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, and then I, you know, we played like one session and I don't remember any other details. Since then, since getting back into it, I have not. Um, I think it would be interesting. But... Uh, I don't know. We're trying to branch out here, you know. Normally, I tend to play like very fighter-esque type things, things that can hit things and kill them. <laughs> I I identify uh, with the sort of martial aspect of that, but not it, really the healer type. Yeah, not generally. I mean, even when I played the cleric in that game that you were talking about, I was definitely I wasn't that kind of cleric. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses. I don't think we need to spend too much time on. I think. Um, if you're talking about it as a character in fiction, I look at that as, a, you, I mean, I tried to do something interesting with the bad guy in the fantasy book. I think that that, you've got, you know, strengths from a character development standpoint. You've got a, kind of similar to the Ranger. You've got a character that you can put in remote situations and tell stories about. They can survive because it makes sense given their skills and their powers. Um weaknesses from a fiction standpoint I think I'm this is just speculation I think it could be more difficult to make people identify with a character like that if you're not into outdoorsy stuff but I mean you could argue that for anything like you know you can have a character that's a wizard and obviously I, I don't know anything about being a wizard but if you make a good character I'll identify with that um <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons, or role-playing game-wise, strengths, obviously, you've got magic, you've got uh, kind of a cool, fl I like things that are cool flavors of things, you know, so it's a very specific flavor of magic with vines and that sort of, sp like, spell system. Wild shape can be cool. Wild shape in Dungeons & Dragons is huge, turning into animals or whatever, um, unless you're the DM, in which case wild shape is the bane of your existence. <laughs> 
I'm talking about you, Keith. Um, we <laughs> we weaknesses um, in in role playing games. I think. Uh, I mean, fifth edition. They they've tried to make everything really balanced. So I don't know how many weaknesses. You're not going to be as good at just straight up fighting, obviously, as some other classes. Uh, but that's not really your 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 stick. So yeah. I think that's okay. Um, I think the Druid touches on nature, especially as a religious experience. Um, transcendentalism, which I know is something that you are, at least were, interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, in high school, we learned about transcendentalism in, uh, in English class, and <clears throat> it was refreshing for me, because I think we just finished the romantic, or the romantics. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, come on. But, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Miss Byers, didn't mean to upset you. But I, I really enjoyed um, the idea of transcendentalism as to, you know, using nature as your drive and inspiration. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, things written by like Walt Whitman, Henry David Thoreau, um, people of that, you know, even, um, Robert Frost, you know, stopping by woods on a snowy evening. Um, it's not particularly transcendentalistic however um the imagery and just the the theme of the poem itself is is very um enjoyable to me i had a a friend of mine when i was growing up she actually um had a piece of art commissioned it was uh the poem and a snowy uh, a snowy scene and she framed it for me. It was very, a very nice gift, and I've enjoyed that. Um, I've enjoyed having that. But uh, Walden, the 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 poem Walden, um, I feel like it gets a lot of flack for what it truly is. Um, it's it's a very inspiring piece. Uh, it's about a man who realize that you know his his life is kind of not going where he wants it to go um he feels that he's going throughout his life and he's missing what's important and you know the the true essence of being a human being so he uh retires into the woods i mean there's even the uh one of the opening not lines that you know i i believe it goes something to the effect of i haven't read in a while um you know, I I went into the woods to you know essentially find myself, but uh, he says uh, I did this so when I was done with it, you know, I I would have the experience of knowing that you know I had actually lived. Mm. Um, I forget the quote. I did a huge disservice to it just trying to uh, you know abbreviate, but it's one of my absolute favorite quotes. It's something that. Um, Throughout my life in the Boy Scouts and just when, you know, I, I go hiking by myself, um, I, I always have it in my mind. Um, and it's something I, I always love to just, just to hear again. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pull it up here. Yeah, pull it up. I do think, I mean, there, I don't, we're both Christian men. Neither one of us worships nature. But I do think that there is an element of, and you see this even in the Bible, 
the idea of going into the wilderness to get yourself spiritually correct? I, I agree. Um, I actually... <clears throat> I feel a very strong connection to God when I'm out in nature because it, it's, it's His creation mm. um, to listen to you know the animals he's created the the trees that give us air and you know just just be out in his creation um it is very religious to me it's it's very affirming of my belief um so here's the quote um and i just i gotta read it because it's it's fantastic um henry david throw says in walden i went to the woods because i wished to live deliberately to front only the essential facts of life and to see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discovered that I had not lived. Yeah. There's uh, definitely a correlation. We talked about the camping in the in the Ranger episode and, in real life, and one of the aspects of that that we both enjoyed was sort of the rearranging of priorities the shifting non-essential things away i think becomes especially important in today's day and age when everything is technologically overloaded shall we say and that when you put it into priorities of okay i gotta get shelter set up okay i'm gonna i gotta get food set up i gotta get a fire going because of warmth or keeping animals away or just cooking or whatever even if you're not going to die, if that doesn't happen, that that idea of shifting the non-essential things away, and I think there's a huge carryover between that and probably that clearing of the mind and feeling more spiritually at peace. Um, on a personal note, I try before all of the enormous decisions that I've made, like life decisions, I try to get out into the woods before that. And sometimes my wife and I have gone. Sometimes you and I have gone camping together. Sometimes I've gone by myself. But I, I for that very reason, it's that sort of <clears throat> clearing of the mind. I feel, yeah, praying is a lot easier when you're removed from modern accoutrements. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in the world to to keep it to keep us distracted. Really, you know, it's. I've caught myself thinking sometimes that you know, like I don't really need this to survive. Like I don't, I don't need this in my life. It, mm. it makes me comfortable. Um, there are certain things, you know, like our iPads that we're reading off of here, the TV over there, but it's, uh, don't really need that. Uh, yeah, no, I agree, and I think it's important. I think that's an important lesson to pass on to kids too. Uh, you know, sometimes being uncomfortable is okay. <laughs> Hear that, kids? You're taking away your tablets. <laughs> um, yeah, so we kind of got off on a philosophical tangent. So sorry for anybody that doesn't want to hear that. That's okay. Um, we uh, will wrap it up, I guess. The the druid. Um, I do think there is a distinction between the druid and the ranger, or other sort of uh, scout and survival classes. Like I said, it's that thriving that makes it different and unique and if you're into fantasy and stuff then you probably already you know agree with this but you know magic and stuff is cool so um 
in a, in a character sense, I, I definitely like all that. Uh, we'll shout out again to Plus 5 Charisma Designs on Etsy and Facebook. Thanks for sponsoring us. Thanks for sponsoring us. Um, although, uh, you know, and I'm sure he has a Druid shirt, actually. Does he have a Druid shirt? Maybe. Let's look right. I'm going to look right now while we're talking. If, uh, if you don't, you need to make one. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Plus 5 Charisma. And in the meantime, uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook. Absolutely. Like, share, follow. Everything you do to, to come to our site, Beggars, the Beggar's Cup. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, everything on the Facebook page you can uh, post and interact with. Um, so if you have questions, comments, opinions, want to just say hi, please, you know, Post to our Facebook, and we are happy to get back to you. We're happy to to create a discussion and and throw this. No, it doesn't look oh, like it. No, man. no druid. Tyler has no druid. You know what you need to do. Although, to be fair, would the druid wear normal clothing? It's cotton. I mean, yeah. As long as it's you know totally uh, totally natural. Well, maybe we can do a commission. Just, you know, get some leaves together and <laughs> let's take care of it. Uh, all right, yeah. Uh, so follow us on the, the face, the uh, podcast, the Facebook, the podcast. The Facecast. The Facecast. Faceback. Um, and uh, if you can follow me as well, uh, it's Facebook backslash Crowns of Hebron. Crowns of Hebron. That is the author page where I post a lot of crossover between that and the podcast, but I'll post stuff about book sales, upcoming things. I've also got a Patreon, which is Patreon, Crowns of Hebron. Uh, if you wouldn't, if you can't contribute, I think the lowest tier I have on there is a buck. So, I mean, come on. Give up one of your Starbucks coffees <laughs> and support me for a month. But uh, I post sometimes writing things on there, specific excerpts of things I'm working on, although we may start getting more crossover between that and this as well. And uh, for right now, the biggest thing you can do, aside from liking following and sharing is going onto the interwebs and buying my books. I've got a uh, Crowns of Hebron, which is a comic book miniseries, but also compilation. It's a five issues, family-friendly, historical, epic kind of feel. Sword and Sandals, uh, where we, uh, we follow Saul, David, and Jonathan in the initial stages of... Uh, for David is King, and then I also have Shadow of the Dreamer and Other Oddities, which is a collection on Amazon of a novella and short stories that's not family-friendly, but still funny. Um, Crowns of Hebron, I, I always forget, but Crowns of Hebron is available at Barnes & Noble as well. So, right. uh, and yeah, until next time, we're hoping to be bringing you guys some interviews soon with nerds, but in professions uh, some of which are nerdy and some of which are not. So uh, stay tuned. We'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks.